Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. And now, here's Dr. Dan Gerard. Our theme for this sermon series is focusing on how we can be people of excellence. If you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, records what I call a biblical addition formula that is essential if you and I are going to be people of excellence. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Did you notice the word add in verse 5? These three verses indeed provide a biblical addition formula. In our last session, we looked at people of excellence being people of faith. And in today's session, we're focusing on people of excellence being people of virtue. Peter was inspired to include virtue as a vital issue in the Christian life. I read again verse 5, and beside this, giving all diligence, underscore, add to your faith virtue. We need to understand what virtue is, and we need to understand how virtue is used in this passage. But before doing this, we need to do a brief review so that we can be reminded how important this biblical addition formula is if we're going to be people of excellence. In verse number 8, Peter wrote that if the things he had just listed in verses 5, 6, and 7 are abounding in our lives, we will not be barren. And we noted in the introduction to this series that that word barren literally means idle or lazy. He continued in verse 8 that if these elements in verses 5, 6, and 7 are bounding in our lives, we will bear fruit, fruit to the glory and honor of Father God. And then Peter wrote in verse number 9, that if these elements listed in verses 5, 6, and 7 are abounding in our lives, we will not be blind. We will not forget what God has done for us, the forgiving us of our sins through the old rugged cross. And finally, Peter recorded in verse 10, that if these elements in verses 5, 6, and 7 are abounding in our lives, we will not fall. We can be safe. We can be secure in Christ. And no one is able, as Jesus stated, no one is able to pluck us out of our Father's hand. 
As long as you and I are walking in the light of His Word, His will, and His way. These elements in verses 5, 6, and 7 are powerful reasons why you and I should allow them to abound in our lives. As we looked at the first element of faith in our last session mentioned in verse 5, we concluded with an understanding that the Bible teaches that faith is not enough. We noted that the just shall live by faith, but, but the Bible is explicit to proclaim that faith is not enough. Because God said through the apostle Peter, add to your faith. Now, will you agree with me that if faith is enough, there is no need to add to it? We noted that the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 2 wrote that though he had all faith so that he could remove or move mountains, faith was not sufficient if there was not charity or love present with that faith. We also noted that in James chapter 2 and verse 17 that, that faith alone without works is dead. You see, faith needs the other elements. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5, 6, and 7, added to it if you and I are going to be people of excellence. We also noted in the introduction to the sermon series that the adding to is to be a partnership with Jesus. It's not something that you and I can do on our own. We must be in partnership with Christ. God has distributed this precious measure of faith through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But the role that you and I play is very important in determining whether that faith will be diligently cared for or not. We must put faith into operation. Faith is free. But once you and I are born into the family of God, we must begin to exercise our faith. The entire 11th chapter of Hebrews catalogs one individual after another who had faith. But it also catalogs that they exercised their faith. So the question we must ask is this, how do we go about the process of being in partnership with God? We do so through the consistent application of biblical principles in our lives and in our living. You and I are not puppets on a string. God is not manipulating us. God's not going to force you, and, and God's not going to force me. God's not going to coerce us to be more like Jesus. You and I become more like Jesus in our living like Jesus lived. 
you and I become more like Jesus by applying through faith and the power of God's Holy Spirit and personal integrity issues that are based on what God's Word says relative to every situation and subject. And so, Peter was inspired by God's sweet Holy Spirit to counsel. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, I read again, and beside this, giving all diligence add to your faith. Well, my friends, that word diligence is very important because that word diligence necessitates that you and I take great care in doing what is admonished for us to do. You see, it is of vital importance. So the question I'm asking at this point is, what is the meaning of this element of virtue? What's the meaning of this element of virtue that, that you and I are to be in partnership with God in adding to our faith? What's the meaning? This word virtue literally means and denotes excellence, and some of your translations may have that listed. God has called you, and follow me very closely, God has called you and God has called me to excellence. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. According as he is, talking about God's divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath underscore called us to glory and excellence. Well, my friends, this is God's calling for you. God has called you to glory and excellence. This is God's calling for me. God has called me to be a person of excellence. I want to read a statement from one of my favorite writers. It's from my work title, Mind, Character, and Personality. I wish I had the power to literally force, to mandate that every Seventh-day Adventist Christian read this work, Mind, Character, and Personality. I read from volume one, pages four and five, quote, to know oneself is a great knowledge. Self-knowledge leads to humility and trust in God, but it does not take the place of efforts for self-improvement. He who realizes his own deficiencies will spare no pains to reach the highest possible standard of physical, mental, and moral excellence. May I read that again? Listen very intently. To know oneself is a great knowledge. Self-knowledge leads to humility and to trust in God, but it does not take the place of efforts for self-improvement. 
He who realizes his own deficiencies will spare no pains to reach the highest possible standard of physical, mental, and moral excellence. We're going to look at this counsel very closely as we zoom in on physical, mental, and moral excellence. Now, she said, and if you're going to get upset, don't get upset with Pastor Dan. Get upset with her, okay? She said, when we realize our deficiencies, we will spare no pains to reach the highest possible standard of physical excellence. Am I smiling? I love you. What I'm about to say is not meant to be critical. It's not meant to be judgmental. But one of the concerns that I have about some of my brothers and sisters in the Lord is that some of us are allowing ourselves to be physically out of shape. I love you. And I would not dare cast stones of criticism. But my brothers and sisters, we are allowing ourselves in an alarming number to be less than physically fit. We are allowing ourselves to be less than physically excellent. Approximately two-thirds of our nation, our country, is overweight. And approximately one-third of our nation, our country, is obese. And would it startle you if I were to make the observation that within the confines of the Christian church, the percentage is just about the same as it is in the world? Now, we all have physical challenges that are different. But my brothers and sisters, by God's power and by our own prerogative in partnership with the divine, you and I are to be our best physically. We don't exercise and we don't monitor our food intake so that we can experience physical excellence in order to draw attention to ourselves. Why do we do it? We strive for self-improvement in the realm of physical excellence after realizing our own deficiencies so that God can receive glory and honor and praise and those who look at us as children of God will know that our physical lives have been enhanced through our relationship with Him. This writer, who is one of my favorites, also said, when we realize our deficiencies, we will spare no pains to reach the highest possible standard of mental excellence. It's estimated that the average person uses less than 10% of his or her mind or brain power. When I was a young Christian, 
an elderly minister made a statement that made a tremendous impact on my life. I can still hear him to this very moment as he said, let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. My brothers and sisters, you and I should be ever striving to improve our mental excellence so that we will be enabled to combat dementia, yes. So that we will be enabled to combat Alzheimer's, yes. But even more importantly than that, so that you and I can more effectively meditate on the goodness of our Lord. We should be feeding our minds not just good things, but excellent things, books, movies, television programs. Our minds are very important. And my brothers and sisters, the enemy is out to captivate the minds of our generation. And we must allow the mind of the master to be the master of our mind. We need to have, by God's grace and our prerogative, mental excellence. That's why the Bible says, think on these things. <laughs> and then this writer, who is one of my favorites, also said that when we realize our deficiencies, we will spare no pains to reach the highest possible standard of moral excellence. Question. Is it possible to be a Christian and be lacking in this aspect of the biblical addition formula? Is it possible to be a Christian and yet lack in virtue? Is it possible to be a Christian and yet be lacking in moral excellence? Since I certainly do not want to be guilty of being critical or judgmental. I'm going to allow the Bible and not my personal opinion to answer this question. You see, the Bible teaches that it's not only possible, the Bible teaches that it has happened in the past and continues to happen too often in the present. There are many passages that we could look at, but for the sake of time, I want us to briefly focus on just three passages. They're all found in the book of 1 Corinthians, for those who are following along in your Bibles. But before looking at these three passages, we need to be reminded to whom Paul is writing and was inspired to communicate by God's sweet Holy Spirit as he penned this epistle. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 2. Unto the underscore church of God. So who's he writing to? The church of God, which is at Corinth. To them that are 
underscore, sanctified in Christ Jesus. And we understand that the Bible teaches that, that sanctification is a, is a lifelong process, don't we? And then he continued, underscore, called to be saints. You see, God called them, and God has called you, and God has called me. God has called us to be saints. God has called us to be different, a peculiar people, a peculiar people zealous of good works. That's who He is writing to. Hold on to that. Now drop down to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 11. For it hath been declared unto me of you, underscore, my brethren. So again, who's he addressing? My brethren, right? Now, he's talking to the church. He's talking to the brethren. Now I want you to notice what he was told concerning them, concerning the brethren, concerning the church. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, that there are contentions among you. Now, in your mind and in your heart, if not in your Bibles, I want you to draw a circle around that word you and align back up to that word brethren. That word contentions is a very interesting word. It literally means quarrels. Can you see the condition of the brethren? Now, what does this reveal about their lives and about their living? It reveals this. They needed some improvement to take place because they were deficient in the element of virtue. They were not people of excellence. Second passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. And I, underscore, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For ye are yet carnal. Now, who's the ye? Again, in your mind and in your heart, if not in your Bible, draw a circle around that and align back up to brethren. <laughs> For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you, and again in your minds and hearts, if not in your Bible, draw a circle around that word you and align back up to brethren. He says, there is among you, brethren, sisters, envying, strife, and divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? Can you see the condition of the brethren? So, what does this reveal about their lives and about their living? It reveals this, they needed some improvement 
to take place because they were deficient in the element of virtue. They were not people of excellence. Now, if I were to stand here today and start calling you carnal, some of you might be contacting the conference president and saying, Brother Livermore, we need to get rid of Pastor Dan before the end of December. But my brothers and sisters, it's time we face reality. Because whether we like to admit it or not, some of the same things that were predominant in the church at Corinth are predominant in the church of Laodicea in the closing hours of earth's history. One more passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, 2, and 6. Verse 1, it is reported commonly that there is, and I hesitate to read this word, but I must because it's in God's Word. There is fornication among you. Now, who's the you? He's writing to the church, right? He's writing to the brethren. Could there have been tears flowing down the spiritual cheeks of the Apostle Paul as he penned these words? You see, they were not walking in moral excellence. And they were not trying to conceal their moral deficiency in fact, this verse says it was reported commonly. There were a whole lot of people who knew both inside and outside the church what was going on. Now, I want you to underscore the next words in verse number 2. And remember, he's writing to the brethren of the church. Underscore. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you? You know what they were doing? They were actually boasting about the immoral lifestyle that was transpiring in the church. Wow. Verse 6. Your. Now, who's he writing to? Who's the your? The brethren. The church. He says, your glorying is not good. And so, what must we conclude? We must conclude, my brothers and sisters, that a Christian should excel in character because this is the essence of bearing a testimony to the honor of our Heavenly Father. What must we conclude? We must conclude, my brothers and sisters, that a Christian should excel in moral conduct because this is the essence of personal progress. 
My Bible states unequivocally that every one of us should be growing in grace and in knowledge. God wants us to be on a progressive journey, a journey of excellence. Now, you and I cannot do this ourselves. We just can't do it. However, as we make ourselves available in partnership with our elder brother, Jesus Christ, through the power of God's sweet Holy Spirit, it is possible for you and for me to be people of excellence. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Amen. Amen. Dr. Dan Gerard is the pastor of University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.